Hey, I've got a message this morning for you guys. Um, and the title of my message is, It's Time to Silence the Enemy. It's time to silence the enemy. Uh, how many of you have ever, ever in your life had an annoying neighbor? Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, there's now a program on English TV, I think they've taken it around the world, and it's called Neighbors from Hell. Have you, have you seen that? Do you get that here? And in the UK, a neighbor from hell is somebody who just constantly does annoying things, and it's usually things like that are loud and things that break up the peace of your world. And it's like, this is where you live. It's like, and there's no escape. It's not like, yeah, you can do a holiday once a year, but it's like, oh my goodness, if you've got a neighbor from hell, that is just a, a terrible thing to have to go through. I remember my wife and I, we were living, living in a place, and like for three years, this, this couple right next door were just playing music loud all the time. And we were just finding excuses to get out of the house. It was just one of those difficult things. And sometimes, as believers, the enemy is like a neighbor from hell. He's there with a sound to critique and to bring you down and to make you feel bad. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that he accuses us before our God day and night. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly bringing accusation. He doesn't play fair. He tempts you to do something wrong and then makes you feel bad for doing it. That's just not fair, is it? And that's how the enemy is. And the Bible prescribes a way for us to shut him up. Have you ever had anyone in your life where you just feel like saying, shut up. Stop it. You're more polite in New Zealand. <laughs> well, let me build into this. We're going to read Exodus chapter 15. A few verses from Exodus 15. This is a song. I'm going to go into a lot of songs this morning. The Bible is full of songs. In fact, the heart of the Bible is a song. The Psalms are at the heart of the Bible. The Song of Solomon is a song. And uh, when Adam woke up from uh, the Lord putting him to sleep, he went into song. He saw, he saw his future wife and... And actually, it's a bit of a song, you know, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> song is really important. Singing is really important in the Bible. The Bible says he sings over you. And the Lord sings over us with joy. Um, and uh, just a thought, by the way, Psalm 22, you know, this has been misunderstood about Jesus. But it's, when Jesus is on the cross, he's quoting Psalm 22. It's a song. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's, that's how it begins. But then the, if you read the whole psalm, it's a psalm of victory. It's a psalm of breakthrough. It's a psalm where he doesn't stay in that place. And at the end of the psalm, it says, you have done it. And Jesus takes that personally and says, it is finished. Because he has done it. Have you ever thought that Jesus might be singing on the cross? It's just a thought. Okay. Exodus 15. This is a song, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord. <clears throat> the reason they sang this song, because they've gone through the Red Sea, all the Israelites are defeated, no longer are they being chased, now they are free to move in to the purpose of God for their lives. And they begin to sing this song saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and its rider, he's thrown into the sea. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. Everyone say strength and song. The Lord is my strength and song. I want you to notice how Moses tells us that God's strength is connected to a song. You get that? If you want to know the strength of God in your life, there has to be a song in your heart. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 5, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There is power in a song. And here they are singing this song of triumph. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God. I will exhort him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. How about that? God is up for a fight. The Lord, one translation says the Lord is a warrior. God is out to fight against everything that will keep you from your destiny. God is out to destroy everything that would seek to destroy you. God is out to bring you into a place of freedom so that you will know his purpose for your life and he's going to fight for you till that happens. Jesus' death on the cross was probably the greatest fight in history and he did it through surrendering to the powers and in surrendering to them, he defeated them on the cross. He made an open show of them, Paul says. He nailed everything to the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers. And here he is as a man of war ready to fight for you. This is a song that Moses sang. It's such an important song. It's repeated in the book of Revelation. We're going to learn the song of Moses. In Exodus 15, right at the end of this song, it says the Lord reigns. That is the first time in the Bible that we understand that God is a king. Ooh, you get good stuff here. In Psalm 8, in verse 1, look at this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Now, why has God ordained strength out of the mouth of babes and infants? We're given the answer. Here's what the psalmist says. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, think about this for a moment. God has ordained for praise. He's ordained strength. He's ordained it out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. Is there anything weaker than a baby that is breastfeeding? That's what a nursing infant is. A child. God doesn't say here about the musicians. He doesn't say about the priests who are part of the order that David created that worship God 24-7. He says, no, God has ordained strength to come out of the weakest possible person you could imagine. And that is because of the enemy. In other words, God defeats the enemy through our weakness. Because in our weakness, he demonstrates his strength. Now, we're going to Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus quotes this verse. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, 
and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna is a very interesting Hebrew word. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. But Hosanna means save us. And it has a present tense to it. In other words, you could say, save us now. Now. Deliver us now. They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David, deliver us now. And the Pharisees understood that that was a messianic phrase. It was a messianic declaration. Only the Messiah could deliver. Only the Messiah could save. Only the Messiah could do these things. They're crying out to Jesus. And they were indignant. They were not happy. Do you hear what these are saying? And they knew. And Jesus knew. And Jesus said to them, yes. <laughs> He's the yes and amen of the Father. Yes. Have you never read? And now he quotes Psalm 8. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Now, in the Hebrew version, it says you've ordained strength. But in the Septuagint version, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that's what they did because many Jews by that time were Greek-speaking. And so in order for them to understand the scriptures, you had a Greek translation of the Old Testament. They changed the words from strength to praise. Perfected praise. That's what Jesus is quoting here. In other words, God's strength is released through perfect praise. If you want to shut the mouth of the enemy, you've got to learn to take a stand in worship, take a stand in praise, and declare the goodness, the greatness, and the perfection of our God. I was expecting a much better response than that. Thank you for the half dozen who did clap. The enemy doesn't stop accusing. He doesn't stop. He's out to get you. But God wants to use your praise to silence him. Now, sometimes I've heard Christians say things like this. Yeah, but Pastor Peter, you don't know what I'm going through. I just don't feel like worshiping. In fact, if I was to praise right now, I'd be a hypocrite. Because I really don't feel like it. And here's my question to you. When you make that statement... Who's in the center of that world? Because praise is not about putting you in the center. Praise is about putting God in the center. In Habakkuk, it says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, and there's no fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive fails, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the field, and there is no herd in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. In other words, Habakkuk is not allowing circumstances to dictate his praise. He says, God is my salvation. God is my king. God is my warrior. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Let me give you a modern reading of this. Though there are no venues to meet in week by week. And I have to get a text on Saturday night. Though the van breaks down on the way to church with all the kids' equipment. 
though I have to get up at five in the morning because I'm on the production team and I don't end up until midnight before I go to bed. Though all these things are against me, I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will shut the mouth of the enemy. So often we're allowing what we're going through to dictate our praise. We're allowing what we go through to silence us. God wasn't, doesn't want you to be silent. He wants the enemy to be silent. It's time to shut the mouth of the enemy. I made a decision some years ago. No matter what I'm going to through, I'm going to praise God. And I'm going to do it with all my might. Jesus said, if you're going to worship, let it be with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You bring your whole being to God. When you come into God's presence, park your problem at the door. Just, just say, problem, stay here. I'm just going to go worship for an hour, okay? Just stay here. You know what? When you finish worshiping, you go back to your problem. It's, like, it's so small, you don't even want to, you can kick it out of the way. Before you worship, your problem is big. After you worship, your God is big and your problem is small. We've got to come to the place where we see how big our God is. How do you do that? Well, David told us in Psalm 34, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In corporate praise, we begin to see the bigness of God. Listen, you can't make God any bigger than he is. But you know what? When you talk about him, when you sing about him, when you praise him, you begin to realize his greatness and his bigness. He's magnified in your eyes. Sometimes when we talk about people, it's so interesting when you meet couples who are starting to date. And uh, you ask him about her or you ask her about him. And it's like their favorite subject. And it's like they just begin to talk about him. It's like, it's like reading the Song of Solomon. <laughs> now, I know we don't quite use the language of Song of Solomon. Nobody here is going to say her nose is like the Tower of David. But I want you to know that was a compliment in those days. That wasn't saying she's got a big nose. That was saying it was beautifully architectured and crafted. She's got a nose that is so amazing. You know the Tower of David? How everyone admires that. That's what her nose, her neck is so slender. And you read the Song of Solomon, it's like, woo, this boy is in love. <laughs> because what we love, we speak about and we praise and we lift up. And we're meant to love our God. We're meant to praise him. I like what Psalm 100 says. It says this, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. A joyful shout. You know, at, at the end of this message, we're going to have a time where we're going to go into praise. And I, I, I just want you to do some shouting. I want you, so often in family life, we shout for the wrong reasons. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Pick up your clothes. Don't do that. I remember one time at home, 
where I shouted, she did something wrong. She's in the congregation. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, she was about 12. And uh, she's the lippy one in the family. And, uh, and she did something wrong. I don't know what it was. But I reacted or overreacted, and I just shouted at her. And she went running up to her bedroom really upset. And my wife looked at me. You know that look. It's like, ooh. And she said to me, you know you have to make that right, don't you? I said, yeah. Let, let me just enjoy my anger for a minute. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, you know, the temperature came down and I went upstairs to apologize. And I knocked on the door and, and she kept me waiting. So the temperature's going up again. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm here to apologize and you're keeping me waiting. Do you know, I found out here the only... <laughs> so I'm outside knocking on the door. And, Eventually, eventually the door opens. And I'm like, I'm like the prodigal son. I've got my speech. I'm, you know, I'm ready to say sorry. I'm ready to apologize. I'm ready to do the humble thing as that. And, uh, and before I could get a word out, she put up her hand like that. And she said, Daddy, before you say anything, I'd like to say something. And she said, well, Daddy, do you think you've learned an important lesson from this experience? <laughs> Kill me now, someone. And I said, yes, I think I've learned a very not to overreact. And that's why I'm here to say sorry. And she goes, that's OK, Daddy. I love you. And big hug. And it's all over. Now, my point is this. So often we're shouting at the wrong things. God wants us to raise a shout of praise that will silence the enemy because we can't hear him. We're so busy declaring the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the bigness of God, that there is a shout that goes up. Have you noticed that Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of praise? He's the lion of the tribe of praise. You know, the lion is the king of the jungle. He's not the biggest in the jungle, but he's the king of the jungle. He's not the fastest in the jungle, but he's the king of the jungle. Do you know when a lion roars, you can hear its roar five miles away? When a lion roars, it peaks at 114 decibels. Most of the time, anything over 85, and you're gonna, it's a little risky. In terms of the damage it could do you, well, a lion puts fear with its roar. And the people of God, we are part of the lion of the tribe of Judah. God wants to release a roar from your mouth in your praise to silence the enemy and put fear into his camp. God is good. So make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, with joy. 
Hey, listen. What you do for God is meant to be joyful. If it isn't joyful, do something else. Now, we all have stressful moments in anything we do. Always. But overall, the big picture should be, this is fun, this is joyful, I get to do this again. That should be our attitude. If, if you've lost the joy, stop doing what you're doing and start to do something else. Find where you really fit. We serve the Lord with gladness. We do an annual review with all of our staff. And one of the questions I ask at the end of the year is, has it been joyful to serve in this area of ministry? That's one of my questions. And if they say no, I say maybe we should change. Maybe we should do something different. Because the Bible says you serve with gladness. It should be fun. We should enjoy it. Come before his presence with, everybody say it. Let's do it one more time. Come before his presence with? Sing. Come before his presence with? Sing. Okay. Look at how this goes. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Everything you have, you have because God blessed you. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, Moses talks to all the prosperous people who've made loads of money, and just, he says, I just want to remind you, it was the Lord who gave you the power to gain wealth. If you've gained wealth, that's for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah, provide for your family. Get the nice things you want to you get, get, but then everything else, give it to the kingdom. I mean, how much do you need? How much do you need? See, see it as a calling on your life. We are as people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his, his gates, gates with, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When we come to church, we're meant to be a people who are thankful that we're in the presence of God. Praise is meant to be on our lips. Don't just sit there and be somebody who's just half-hearted. Yeah. Come on. We're, we're in, in the presence, presence of a great, great king. king. We're, We're in, in the, the presence, presence where, where angels, angels are, are crying, holy, holy, holy. We're in the presence of a God where, where in, in heaven they're throwing down crowns. We need to recognize who it is that we're worshiping. It says, be thankful to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures to every generation. Psalm 47, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of a triumph. Clapping, clapping is, is biblical. biblical. Clapping is biblical. I wonder if we could give God just an enormous clap right now. And, and just, come on, just a huge clap. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, give him a shout of praise today. Declare his goodness. He is a great king. He has made us and not we ourselves. The Lord Most High is awesome. You know, we use that word a lot, don't we? We use that. Hey, I'll give you a lift tomorrow. Awesome. You want to go to McDonald's? Awesome. It's like, most of the time we use awesome, it's down here. But our God is awesome. He fills us with awe. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jabba, whom he loves. Selah. Take a moment, pause, think about this. 
Selah. And then the psalm goes on. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. I wonder if we can get the worship team back up early. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. He's gone up with a shout. He's there with the sound of the trumpet. He's saying, we need to sing praises. Again, sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Four times the psalmist is saying, God is so awesome. We need to be a people who sing and declare his praise. If there's one thing we should be known for, it's the way we speak about our God and sing about our God. He is a great king. Sing praises with understanding. I love that. Our songs should have good theology in them. Some of the greatest songs ever written, they've got good content. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I, I love the songs, but I think the next phase that we're going through in the church in terms of praise is songs with richer content. I, I just think the Holy Spirit is going to do and release a new wave of songs. There's been songs of celebration, songs of fun, but I think there's going to be songs of richness coming. No less praiseworthy, no less fun. God reigns over the nation. He sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to the Lord. He's greatly exalted. When Paul was going through a difficult time, he prayed to the Lord three times. He had this thorn in the flesh. He said, God, just take it away, take it away, take it away. Three times he prayed. And then he got an answer. Not the answer he wanted, the answer he needed. And God said this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is perfected in weakness. And Paul's response to that word from God was, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate distress. I'm going to celebrate all the difficult things I go through. The enemy will not silence me. I will silence the enemy. And then in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas are beaten and put into a dungeon in a Philippine jail, the Bible says every prisoner could hear them singing hymns and songs to God at midnight. Here is Paul in a place of weakness, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, out of the mouth of your weakness, God wants to raise a sound of praise, a declaration of His goodness. He wrote years later to Timothy, even though I am in chains, the Word of God is not chained, it is not bound. The Word of God is free and the Word of God lives in me. My circumstances don't define me. My circumstances don't dictate my destiny. Who I'm called to be in God is what defines me. I will praise Him. And at midnight, I think God was looking down from heaven. He said, look at those guys. Look how crazy they are. They've been beaten. They're blooded. 
and they're still praising me because they understand a principle. Get down there now and shake things up. I think four angels at four corners of that building started to shake that thing. An earthquake came. Their chains fell off. God visited them in their weakness, not in their strength. He visited them in a place where they felt bound, but the Word of God was not bound. Where in your life right now do you feel weak? Where do you feel powerless? Where do you feel like I have no strength to do anything? Well, you have strength to do something. You have strength to praise. You have strength to, to, to raise a shout. You have strength to stand on your feet and declare, I'm part of a tribe that's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The book of Proverbs says this, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. There is a roar in you. There is a sound in you that will silence the enemy. Come on, let's stand to our feet.